0: The Scriptures tell us that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. At FCC, we believe that the Bible is the Holy Word of God, after which we pattern our lives. With this in mind, please turn in your Bibles to the first passage, which is Galatians 5:16 through 26. Then the second passage is 1 Corinthians 12:4 through 7. Or you can follow along on the screen behind me. have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 12, 4-7 There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Please pray with me. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth, find freedom, and in your will, discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
1: Okay, before J.C. walks off here, I did this in the second service, too. So, I asked J.C. to introduce herself. She declined politely because she's a little bashful. But this is JC Shepherd. She is a senior graduating from Bennington High School this year and she's the one who read scripture and also like pian- pianist extraordinaire in the youth band and gonna be the worship intern for the summer. And so thank you for your talents and your gifts and for reading scripture this morning, okay? Hey, I thought the worship team did an awesome job. I know you guys already appreciated them, but was that really good worship or what? Man. There would be churches that would kill for a worship team like that. That was so good. So we are in the middle of a sermon. Before I start that, you guys, I'm so impressed you didn't wash away last night. Like, we've had so much rain. Uh, and one of the things I think is really interesting is, like, trying to mow your grass between the rainstorms and letting the grass dry out before the next rainstorm comes. How many got it done already? And who's in trouble? Okay, I see a few of you are in trouble. Yeah crazy stuff. So we're in the middle of a sermon series on power, a study of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit so often is the one part of the Trinity that we tend not to give a lot of emphasis to or teaching about. And so I think it's really cool we're doing a a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we're thinking about how God has given us this incredible gift of his presence, the Holy Spirit, for all who believe in Christ. He's given us this His presence in our lives, the Holy Spirit, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It is literally the gift that gives us all that we know or experience or receive from God. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us all that we know and receive from Jesus Christ. And so before I get into a lot of details about all that the Spirit gives us this morning, I'm going to take us back to when the disciples were with Jesus. And particularly one disciple I want us to think about, you remember Peter, right? Peter was actually one of the first to join uh, the Jesus bandwagon and become one of the disciples. He was actually the first one who proclaimed that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He also lived with him, uh, ministered with him, watched him teach and preach and heal people, witnessed his miracles. And Peter may have been on the right track in following Jesus, but he also was a person that we remember well that he made... Saw so a number of mistakes and had some failures. And when we, and when he saw Jesus when they were in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water, he thought, well, I'm going to come out and I can walk on water too. And so he jumped out on the water and obviously at, at one point he began to sink. Jesus had to rescue him. That's the picture we see on the screen right now. The same Peter vowed uh, that he would never leave Jesus nor deny him. And then just a few hours later, he's denying to three different people that he even knows Jesus, And then in this a few hours later, when the crucifixion is happening, he is nowhere to be found. And so Peter was, by many accounts, a pretty ineffective disciple to start out with, and at times a mess, quite frankly. But that's not the end of Peter's story, is it? We know a whole lot more from the rest of the New Testament. Only a little little while later in his life, he spoke before a really huge crowd of thousands of people and we're told that over 3,000 of them uh, became followers of Jesus because of the words that they heard Peter preach that day. His words deeply moved people and brought them into God's presence. And soon after that, he was standing in front of the same court that had taken Jesus to be crucified, and he, instead of this time denying Jesus or cowering, he stands up and speaks boldly about who Jesus is. He teaches about his ministry, that he's the Messiah. He tells them about the resurrection. He doesn't shrink back. And later on in his ministry, we're told he heals a man who had been unable to walk for over 40 years. Peter became the leader of a movement that became the church throughout the world. And so what changed? What changed? One thing. One thing changed Peter from a hot and cold, ineffective and fear-filled man to one that preached and healed and led a really uh, crazy movement with power and authority and great effectiveness. One thing. One thing happened. Peter received the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit changed him from weak weak to strong, changed him from uh, fearful to bold, It changed him from ineffective to being the rock upon which Jesus builds the church. The Holy Spirit empowered Peter to become an unstoppable force of God's grace in the early church, and the church grew rapidly. So this morning, we're going to talk about that, dif- that difference, the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in the world, and the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives, Okay. And so when I was uh, thinking about this sermon, I thought about making a job description of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the questions that came to my mind was, well, what makes the Holy Spirit unique? And my conclusion is that the Holy Spirit is the part of God that is always at work. If the Holy Spirit weren't working, he wouldn't be the Holy Spirit. Because at the core, that's our basic understanding as Christians. The Holy Spirit is at work in our world, in our lives, and in our communities. There are three main images that are often spoken of of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. They're fire, breath, and wind. And all three of those are active. We can talk about God the Father being a rock or a shelter or a fortress. We can talk about God the Son being a deliverer, a savior, a protector, a, a redeemer. But when it comes to God the Holy Spirit, we need an image that is of motion, that is active, even though our, our wind and, and breath and fire are things that can't be grasped for or controlled, they are all things that carry power and life in them. And all of those things must be in motion. If the wind stops blowing, it stops becoming, being the wind. If a breath stops exhaling and inhaling, it stops being a breath. If a flame stops flickering or stops burning, it stops becoming or stops being the fire. Likewise, if the Holy Spirit stops in his motion, if he stops his work, I believe he stops being the Holy Spirit. He simply must be active. For the Spirit is the part of God that is always in motion, constantly drawing the world into God, drawing people to Jesus reminding us of God's ways, teaching the world about the things of God. And we learn about it and we see the work of God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, in scriptures. And we see some of those things in the world around us. But most of our actual experiences with God are the experiences we have with the Holy Spirit. God interacting with us through the presence of his Spirit. Probably the most important thing that runs through the Holy Spirit's job description, I believe, is change. The main part of its job is to change, changing our hearts, changing our lives, changing our souls. The first thing the scriptures talk about that the Holy Spirit changes is our hearts. In the Old Testament, God tells us, I I will gather you from the peoples and I will give them a new heart and I will put a new spirit within them and I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then they will be my people and I will be their God. That's the kind of change and transformation that the Holy Spirit brings, removing this old, stony, crusty heart in our lives away and and literally bringing a transplant of a new heart that lives and breathes for God. It's like a heart transplant, a new heart that beats in time with the truth of God. Jesus taught basically the same thing. Although instead of just limiting it to a heart transplant, he actually said we need to have our lives completely uh, born all over again. He tells us in John 3, he says, Truly no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of both water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. That's the kind of change and transformation literally that the Holy Spirit brings. To the extent that he changes us, we become like a brand new person. A while back, I spoke with a dad of a three-year-old daughter, and they were expecting a new child as well. And I asked him, what, in what ways had fatherhood changed his life? And his immediate response was, I never could imagine it, how much it changed me. My attitude towards things is very different I put everything in perspective now, and when I used to let little things kind of get blown out of proportion, I don't anymore. And it's strengthened even my marriage because we're focusing together as a couple on how to raise our kids the best that we can. It's changed me in so many ways. And if a father welcoming a new child into his family uh, experiences that kind of transformation, imagine what it's like when we enter into God's family and how much we are changed in that way. And Paul describes it this way. He says basically the change is so great that we can honestly say that literally we've got we're, we're not even a part of the world in the same way that we used to be. We are in the spirit, and since the spirit of God dwells in us, we are changed. Because it's not just the Holy Spirit that's responsible for doing God's work, we know that we can't allow God to do all the heavy lifting and and let us just sit back on the deck and, and sip some lemonade. No, God invites us. In fact, he calls us to be his representatives and his ministry workers in the world. And we've got a job to do. And we know that when we have a job to do, what a difference it makes if you have the proper skills and support, right? One of the jobs I had during summer when I was going to college I, I got a job at a large automobile dealership, and I was basically going to do their parts inventory that summer, and they had a massive parts warehouse, and the first day I was excited to start because literally it was a full-time job, it paid well, and the warehouse was air conditioned. That's a great job for a college student, right? I was excited, and I wanted to learn. I wanted to do, you know, do as well as I could and make a difference. And my uh, supervisor basically gave me about 30 minutes of training. He kind of took me around the warehouse. He gave me a clipboard with dozens of sheets that listed all different kinds of automobile parts. And he gave me a pencil, and he basically said, now you're going to go into that warehouse, and you're going to count every part in that warehouse all summer long. He said, last year it took two people to do that job. We've only got you. We think you're smarter and sharper and more disciplined and more motivated. And I thought, wow, I'm not sure you know me as well as you do, but... But I was excited, but that was the level of training that I received, and I was in a new industry and something I'd never done before, and I was kind of like a fish out of water. I had a lot of questions, and it felt like at times when I would ask questions, people kind of made fun of me and made me feel like I should have known what I was asking. And I just didn't feel like I had a lot of encouragement and support, and just kind of felt like I was on my own. And it was really a long summer. I didn't like the job. I didn't, I lost motivation because I didn't know what I was doing. And they must have liked me though because at the end of summer they asked me if I'd come back and do the same thing next summer. And I told them well, I'd think about it. And I remember thinking I walked out the door, thought about it for two minutes and said, I'm not coming back next <laughs> summer. No way. That next summer, though, I got a job with a, a grain company called Evans Grain here in Salina, and I went around. My responsibility was to go around and test the grain in the elevators all around state of Kansas and Nebraska, test for moisture and heat. I would go also during harvest and support those elevators where they needed extra help. And when the day I started, I started working with a crew of three other individuals. One other person who was like me had no experience, but one of the people had been had experience a couple of years, and then the other person was our supervisor. And what I learned was that we got the supervisor had us uh, work together. He would talk about what we would need to do. He would show us. Then he would have us do that. And then we had the chance really as a team when we drove from one elevator to another, we'd talk about how'd that go. We'd reflect on what didn't go so well, what went pretty good, and we'd improve. And he supported me even when I failed. I felt like he was giving me new skills that I needed to do the job. He was basically equipping me, allowing me to use the opportunity to use my gifts and my my abilities and ways to serve the entire team. I was successful at that job, right? I enjoyed that job. I, I did things I never thought I would ever be able to do at that job. The difference between those two jobs wasn't that I didn't lack motivation at one where I had motivation at the other. Uh, it wasn't an issue of not having the right skills at one but having the right skills at another. The difference literally was I had a supervisor in one job that helped me, equipped me, supported me, empowered me, and encouraged me to do the work that he was asking me to do. And the other one, I didn't have that. So what I'm trying to say here is that the Holy Spirit is like that supervisor who invites us to do a big and a difficult job, but then equips us, empowers us, strengthens us to accomplish the job that he gives us to do. The Holy Spirit sends us into the world to do God's work, but we're not sent out on our own. We have the very presence of God with us, giving us the resources to accomplish our tasks. One of the things I really appreciated about the second job was the ability to learn from a good supervisor, from wisdom and experience that that person was willing to share And as I watched him work. And the Holy Spirit gives us that kind of wisdom and that kind of spiritual understanding. It's one of the ways the Holy Spirit acts like a good supervisor to us. Sometimes the wisdom comes in a discernment or in a form of giving us an unusual knowledge about what God is doing or planning, sometimes almost like what the prophets in the Old Testament, who predicted the future. But far more often, the way the Spirit works in our lives is to give us spiritual wisdom by giving us an an opportunity to partner with Him. And I had literally, you know, it's almost like working with that supervisor uh, who knows how to do his job and therefore shows me how to do it. And so when you go alongside of a master and benefit from his or her knowledge and experience and see how they work, you gain wisdom and understanding, right, as you observe it. Kind of like an apprentice working alongside of a a master, an expert, gains wisdom. And so as we do our work, the Spirit is present with us, speaking to us, counseling us, encouraging us, empowering us, And so working alongside of us and showing us how he accomplishes his work, and we learn as we observe his movements in the world, as we observe the Spirit working through other Christians that we're in contact with, and we grow in wisdom and understanding as the Spirit works alongside of us, teaching us as we go. Now, sometimes the Spirit turns our attention to things that we weren't paying attention to. And sometimes it makes us sensitive to things that we had initially ignored. And we notice how it changes people's perspectives and gives flashes of insights and provides people with abilities that they never knew that they had. As we watch the Spirit working, we gain wisdom about spiritual things. Another way the Spirit works with us and for us is by giving us gifts, the gifts and the power, we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. We're not alone in our attempts to follow Jesus and carry on His ministry. The Holy Spirit literally provides us the tools and the training to be able to do the ministry He calls us to do. The ability to give special gifts to people is one of the things the Spirit is best known for. If we look at the passage that J.C. read, the second one from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a great uh, list of all the spiritual gifts that God gives to his believers, to the followers of Jesus. And the passage talks about just this wide variety of spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives to Christians for their ministries. And the Spirit might give to one person the, the ability to bring healing to people's lives, or to another the gift of knowledge, or to another the gift of teaching, or Wisdom, or there's just dozens of of kinds of gifts that God can give to us through the Spirit. But each gift given by the Spirit is given so that people have the tools that they need to accomplish the work that they've been called to do. Nobody is ever called to accomplish something for God without God providing the tools that you need to succeed in that work. The Holy Spirit always provides the gifts that you need. Now, if you've never taken time to explore maybe what your spiritual gift or gifts might be from the Lord, I would encourage you, uh, we do a class here at First Covenant called the Spiritual Gifts Class. We do it a couple of times a year. Angie Alrick teaches that class. It's a really awesome class, and it's a great way to learn about spiritual gifts and even to begin to discern maybe what spiritual gifts has God given uniquely to you and ways that you might be able to use those gifts to serve in ministry. Way cool. Now, we don't know when we're doing the class yet in the fall. If you're interested, I'd encourage you to write spiritual gifts class on your connection card. We're going to write your name down, and when we get that class scheduled, we'll be in contact with you. It is really a cool opportunity. But really thinking back to what the Spirit gives, what's, what, what, what's more, the Spirit also, beyond giving us gifts, gives us the power we needed to accomplish that work. A lot of times we allow ourselves to think, you know, that maybe we're intimidated or we become resigned because we don't think we have the sufficient power to change something or we don't know the right uh, person or we don't think we have the right position or maybe we don't have enough of the right knowledge. But what God wants us to know, what the Bible testifies to, is that the Holy Spirit always, always, always provides the power sufficient to accomplish the task before us. That power might not come when we think we want it or in the way that we think it will come or from where it will come, but God always gives us the power in his time, uh, and it's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not our job, but it's the job of the Holy Spirit to grant that power when the time comes. Now, a great example of what I'm talking about here is actually um, uh, John Wesley. He was a great re- uh, revivalist in the 1700s. Uh, he was a reformer of the church church. He led many thousands and thousands of people uh, to a relationship with Jesus. He was actually the founder of what at the time was called Methodism, which ultimately a few hundred years later became even the Methodist church in the United States. Uh, But at the time, he was uh, literally interested in reforming the church and bringing everyday people to a closer relationship with God. And he was a, a priest in the Church of England. But all of that influence that he had in that position never seemed to really have an impact in his ministry. He was highly educated, Oxford uh, education, but his knowledge never seemed to have an impact in his ministry at that time. He he literally uh, knew a lot of people and, and had a lot of influence with a lot of different people, but that never seemed to, to be able to accomplish the mission he had. It wasn't until he stopped into a small prayer meeting And spent time praying with a small group of people that he himself describes that he found himself strangely stirred. That's his language. His heart was warmed and that he found the power, not from his position, not from his education, not from his relationships with other people, but literally the power that the Holy Spirit provided to him within himself. Uh, to literally then become the preacher that led a movement for thousands and thousands of people to come into faith to, in Jesus Christ literally ultimately in two different continents in Europe and in North America now the power didn't come from John John Wesley the power came from the Holy Spirit that's how the spirit works on our behalf when we're called to help with a ministry or to do ministry We're both given the gifts and also the power from which the Holy Spirit provides to help us to accomplish the work that we're called to do. That's not only true for the work in the ministry we're out to do in the world, but also for the work that we do in our own spirits. The work of becoming more holy, more Christ-like. The Spirit is constantly at work within us, unceasingly transforming each follower of Jesus into the image of Jesus and the church, each individual church, into the body of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He gives us the power to fight temptation, we're told in Scripture. We're told He gives us the power to overcome our selfishness, to live out our everyday lives in honor of God, and to live uh, fulfilling the purposes that God gives us to live in the reason He created us. The Spirit's transforming work in our lives bears fruit. And that's what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5 it was read earlier, specifically verses 22 and 23, we're told, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit even as we're transforming the world around us by the help of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit that equips us, empowers us, teaches us. Uh, encourages us to help him uh, transform the world that we're called to live in and minister with. And that's where God is really headed with all this anyway. God transforms us so that we can partner with him to transform the world. Let me close with these words that come from the eighth chapter of Romans. I'm going to read this from the message, which really is a, a kind of a translation of the timeless message of The Bible in today's ordinary language. And I think it's really a powerful way for us to learn about the Spirit's work in our life and the impact of the Spirit's work in our life. From Romans 8, the message. If God himself has taken up residence in someone's life, they will find out that God's Spirit is in them. The living and breathing God. Now it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. By bringing you alive to himself, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new Spirit-filled life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children, and we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. What a great way to give that message to us from Romans 8. I want to encourage us with some next steps, kind of at the conclusion of this message this morning. So if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, And self-control. I want to ask you this morning to consider which fruits has the Holy Spirit grown in your life? In what ways has the Holy Spirit transformed you to produce spirit fruit, spirit type of fruit? And then list them. And then give thanks to the Holy Spirit for His transforming power in your life that you could look back and say, I used to be like this, but now because of the way the Spirit has worked in my life, I have these fruits of the Spirit operating in my life, a child of God. Now, the second part of that next step is, which fruits still need to grow in your life? List those, one or a few of them, and then pray that the Spirit and His power is going to provide growth in that part of your life. In what ways can God help you move from where you're at to where this fruit is going to be demonstrated in your own life? So as we kind of finish this morning, I just remind you that God has given us, those of us who believe in Christ and follow him, he's given us his very presence, the Holy Spirit, the gift that keeps on giving. He changes us. He counsels us. He gives us discernment, wisdom, power, courage. He brings about transformation. He gives us spiritual gifts. I could continue the list on for another 20 minutes. He is the Spirit of God living in us. Literally nowhere that we go that God is not with us. His power at work in and through us to transform our lives, but also to do the work in the world that God is calling us to do. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift that keeps on giving. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just this incredible gift of your presence, the Holy Spirit in our lives, God as we have faith in Christ. God, we're so amazed. We just, it's almost so hard to understand or believe that you would take up residence in this mortal body and in lives that are at times disobedient and full of sin. And yet, God, there you are. You're at work in our lives, bringing about change and transformation so that we might bear good fruit in the Spirit. And beyond that, God, you give us all kinds of resources and gifts and power through your Holy Spirit to do all that you call us to do. And God, we're so grateful, but God, we desire, our prayer is that we would be found faithful stewards of this incredible gift that you've given to us. God, that we would allow the Spirit to continue to be at work, that you would help us to tune our spirits to your spirit so that you might counsel us, lead us, give us discernment and wisdom. God, give us the power that we need to do your work. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.